Hey, well, each new year provides us with an opportunity to do some refocusing, right? To focus on what is important now. Now, if you were to ask me about resolutions, I am not like this big resolution guy. Um, you know, I don't sit down and make a list of resolutions, but I'll tell you, at the beginning of some new years in my life, I have made some very significant choices, some decisions that have really shaped things uh, in my life. And, but I think that every new year, it provides this opportunity to refocus you know, I think it's kind of the what coaches do, right? When they get into a new season, like, hey, what do I need to focus on now? Different with this season than in past seasons, what do I need to focus on? I think it's what school teachers do, right? When they're getting ready to start a new school year, it's like, what's important now that I need to be focusing on? And so today, I invite you to come with just an open heart and, and open ears to the Lord and say, God, what is it? today that I need to be focused on as I look to this new year. And to help us do that, today what we're going to be focused on is we're going to be focusing on the Lord's Prayer and then coming to the table of communion and thanks. Now listen, if you're here in our courtyard and I, I see a bunch of you out there, yay, um, I, I, you should have received on your way in, you should have received a little communion packet. Uh, so if you've got that, uh, I, I'm just going to ask that you would hold on to it, like keep it in your hands as we are talking this morning before we take uh, this together towards the end of our gathering. But if you're watching online, or maybe you're even listening to our podcast right now, I'd encourage you, like, hit pause, go, like, into the kitchen or wherever you may be, stop at 7-Eleven, whatever, get something that you can use uh, as a communion elements because we're going to be really concluding our time in a powerful way as we take together, maybe with new meaning and fresh purpose as we ask this question to the Lord, God, what do I need to be focused on this new year. It's in Matthew chapter 5 that we find one of the most significant teachings of Jesus on the topic of prayer. It's where we find the Lord's Prayer. And like I said, that's what we're going to be focusing on this morning is the Lord's Prayer. But before Jesus uh, gives us his prayer, this model prayer for us, he, he, he drops these three significant truths about prayer to his followers. And each of these three truths about prayer, he starts out with the phrase, when you pray. So before we get to the Lord's Prayer, think about these things uh, at when you pray. And obviously, even that phrase that Jesus used, when you pray, he was talking to his followers as if, they would be praying, right? God anticipates that we're going to be people of prayer if we are his followers. So first thing he said is when you pray, don't show off. That's what he said. Like, don't show off. Don't make a big deal of this publicly. He said, that's what hypocrites do. 
He said, hypocrites, man, they go out to the, they, they stand up at church so they can be seen and heard by everyone, or they go out into the streets. He said, yeah, that's not the way to do it. He's letting us know prayer is not some like badge that we wear that, that shows everybody how holy, how righteous we are. That's not what prayer is about. He also says, right before he gets to the Lord's Prayer, he also gives one other thing that we should not do in prayer. He says, don't ramble on in prayer. Okay, and he said, that's what the pagans do. Like they think that the more words that they use in prayer, like somehow that's gonna get God's attention. He said, that has nothing to do with it. So we don't need to ramble on in prayer because he, he says, he says, don't you know that your father in heaven already knows what you need? But then he says this other thing about when you pray, and he actually says this is how you should do it. He says this, and it's, it's in uh, Matthew 6, 6, where he says, go into your room when you pray, Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, I love that, what he says there. He says that the Father we're praying to is unseen, but that he sees us. And God is watching. God is waiting. And he's like, I am going to reward you when you come to me in faith. Right? That's the invisibility part. Like, it's like I'm praying to an invisible God. God says, I know. That's the way I planned it and purposed it. But I am watching you. I can see you. And so come to me in prayer. And he says, you know, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father. Does that mean that every prayer we should pray has to be done secretly? No, that's not what Jesus is talking about. In fact, when you read the Gospels and when you read the rest of the New Testament, there is lots of prayer and much of it is public. Not private, it's with other people. And, uh, and, and obviously Jesus prayed many, many prayers, even from the cross. So that's not what Jesus is getting at. I believe what Jesus is getting at here is that prayer is to be something that is humble, right? Not for show, but has this intimacy built into it. It's like this private conversation. Even when we're gathered with other people, prayer is this private, personal, intimate conversation with our Father. The one who's invisible to our eyes, but who will reward us for our faith. We are to be people of prayer. But it's not for show, and it doesn't even have to be that long in order for God to hear us. In fact, some of the most powerful, memorable prayers I've ever prayed were one-word prayers. A couple of times I remember when I was in crisis situations, like I could die right here, my prayer was simply, Jesus! That was it. 
And by the way, I was with other people at the time, so I could bring you back to other people to corroborate that story. And that was my prayer. It was the cry of my heart to a God who is invisible to my eyes, but is always watching me. So Jesus says these three truths about prayer, but then he comes to his followers and says this, and it's, it's beginning in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. And he says, this then is how you should pray. Right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he says, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now this passage is is broken into what I see kind of as three parts. And this first part that we're gonna talk about is, is who it is that we pray to. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Listen, God here obviously is being referred to as our heavenly Father. Have you ever heard that term before, our, our heavenly Father? Well, that comes from this idea right here that, that we pray to our Father in heaven. Guess what? He is the head of this family that we're all a part of. But notice here that, listen, you know, that he's described as a father. And I know that for, for many people, that idea of God being a father is, it's difficult to get our minds or maybe our, our hearts wrapped around. Because many people in our society have experienced fathers who are either absent or worse, abusive or maybe both. And I'm telling you that, that when that image is kind of implanted and, and kind, of, kind of, right, just ingrained in our minds and in our souls, it can be very difficult for us to get our hearts and our minds wrapped around the idea of God as a good father. But that is exactly who he is. He is a good father. And I love this idea right here because it says, you know, our father in heaven, holy is your name. See, fathers that are absent or abusive, we don't even want to use their name, right? It's like, I want to forget that jerk, uh, you know, or, or when I use his, that name of that father, who wasn't a good father, it's like, you know, we want to use that name disparagingly. Oh, that, you know, my old man, that, that. And I'll tell you what, here we see that this is a father that whenever we think about his name or say his name, something in our heart like emerges where, where we really declare that, God, your name, this father, is a father who is good. He is so good that we declare you are holy. You are perfect. There is something of beauty and 
goodness and righteousness about you that, that when I say your name, I reflect on the Lord, that you're, you're our Father and that you are holy. I want you to notice too that he is our Father. And I think that is so special. Jesus didn't say here, when you pray, pray like this, my Father, it's our Father. Jesus, I believe, did this very intentionally because there is this reflection here that, that there is this collective sense that we are in this together. We're not only the body of Christ, we are the family of God. Brothers and sisters united together, our Father. So there is no distinction here between generations, between genders, between ethnicities or language of origin. We are all welcome to the same table, into the same family. We pray to our Father who is in love with the entire world, not just me. This is this collective reality that we are part of God's family together and he is our good and holy father. Then we get to this next part in the prayer where Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now listen, when Jesus prayed this, your kingdom come, right? He's saying you have to acknowledge as you pray that God's kingdom is not yet fully completed here on earth. And when you pray, God, would your will be done? We're also acknowledging that his will is not yet complete in the world or even just in my personal situation. We are living in this in-between reality that God's kingdom was initiated right on earth when Jesus came. We just finished celebrating the Advent season and Christmas, right? Celebrating Jesus coming to earth. Well, we know God's kingdom was certainly initiated, but guess what? It's, it's not yet complete here on earth. We also see that everywhere we look. Every, you know, we look around the world and what do we see? We see a pandemic. We see uncertainty. We see death. We see some people's finances in really challenging, desperate situations. God's kingdom obviously is not yet fully complete. But he says that we're to pray and come to him saying, God, we want your kingdom to be established here just the way it is in heaven. And God, we want your will to be seen here in my life and in the situations around us just as it is in heaven. And even though we don't see God's kingdom fully established yet on earth, or we don't see his, his will fully enacted yet here on earth, we do sometimes get glimpses of it. 
when we see true love, true grace, true mercy being offered, or true beauty. We, we are filled with this wonder. We're filled with this hope of what is to come one day when God's kingdom will be fully established and complete here on earth. And his will is what is known as full reality when it is completed here on earth. But for now, as we live in this in-between time where God's kingdom and will has been initiated but not yet complete, he now kind of gives us this mission through faith-filled prayer and action that we are to see more and more of God's kingdom work and his will established everywhere he has given us influence. In our homes, in our personal lives, in our places of work, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our city, and around the world. He's reminding us that this is how we are to pray. In faith, believing that God's will will continue to grow, that his kingdom will continue to be established. But then he finishes his prayer with these declarations, three declarations that we're going to kind of take maybe the bulk of our time here and, and unpack these a little bit. Even as we are holding on to these communion elements, we're going to be looking at these three declarations that Jesus gave in this prayer, saying that God is the source of everything that we need to see his kingdom and his will advance in our lives and through our lives to the world. He talks about and declares provision, freedom, and deliverance. The first one is provision. He says, give us today our daily bread. Now listen, I believe that Jesus wasn't just talking about bread only when he made this statement here. Those hearing Jesus would have immediately been reminded of the bread, that, that miraculous bread that he provided to the Israelites for 40 years when they were wandering in the wilderness. It was called manna. And that was this miracle bread that God gave that sustained his people through decades of even living in desolation. Listen, God, I believe, is saying here that he will give everything that is needed, everything that is needed to sustain you is caught in this word, bread, manna. Everything that is needed to sustain you. And when we pray, and you may, be, you may have wondered about this, when it was like, give us this day our daily bread. You know, it, it could sound like we're, we're begging this stingy father, right? This parent that's kind of, well, I don't know if you're worthy of this little crust or, the, you know, these little crumbs. That is not what Jesus is getting at here, right? God himself is our provider. And it's like as we pray, he's wanting us to be reminded of where our provision 
comes from. Right, it's not from our employer. It's not from the government. It's not from your grandma. It's not from the lottery. God himself is our provider. Listen to how Paul talked about this in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. He says, in God, talking about our good father, he says, in God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I love this idea of abundance that God is able to pour forth even as our provider. Listen, think about this. If God the Father didn't spare his own son to provide for us spiritually, how much more is he going to be willing to provide us with the the sustenance that we need in every situation, at all times, so we would have everything that is needed. God is our provider. So as we're thinking about 2021, and we're asking this question about, God, what do I need to be focused on at this time? I invite you to ask this question. God, where is it that I need to see your provision? God, what is it at this moment that I need you to provide? Then he goes on and he declares that there is freedom available through Christ. That there is freedom available to us. Not just provision, but freedom. Listen to this, because there's not only spiritual freedom that he declares, but relational freedom as well. When he says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. It's like saying, God, free me from my debts even as I free others from theirs. I love this spiritual and relational reality that is wrapped up right here. No doubt, God is the one who frees me from my debts. Like he paid the price by going to the cross that I could never pay, right? So he freed me and this is this amazing spiritual freedom that I am free from my past. I am free from every wrongdoing. I am free. And I am free to be in relationship with this this amazing, beautiful, and holy God, my Father. Everything that has separated me from my heavenly Father has been washed clean by the work of Jesus on the cross. As Paul was talking about this reality to others, we find in Acts 13, Verses 38 and 39, he said it this way. He said, therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And listen to this. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. Now, I think we could 
We could declare that last line together because we need to hear it. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. Not powerful. We have freedom. We are set free. But it's not only the source of my spiritual freedom that Jesus came or, or even is woven into this prayer. It's wonderful to be set free from all my sin, but then he urges us forward on the mission of offering that same freedom to others. If we have sinned against God and he needs to offer us freedom, we know in this world that there's others who have sinned against us. And what are we to do in response? And some of that hurt, some of that pain runs very deeply. Even as we talk about absent fathers, abusive fathers, fathers are not the only ones who may be absent or abusive in our lives. So much hurt happens in our world. Guess what? We have a father who knows. We have a father who understands. We have a father who has looked at our, at our lives because he is watching and he does know. And the, the worst of those things that we have done in our lives, even towards God himself, he says, by my grace, through my mercy, through my sacrifice, I forgive you. I free you from those things so that you can live free. Now, as you're living free, free others as well from the debts that, well, they have accumulated against you. Free them as well. It was Peter, uh, just a little bit later, that comes to Jesus and, and asks, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? You know, it's like, that was as high as Peter could think when it came to, to what Jesus may be referencing here when we're to forgive others. And Jesus is like, no, Peter. 70 times seven. What? I mean, that's 490 times. And Jesus is like picking a number that's like, yeah, by the time you've done this like over 400 times, you're probably gonna lose count. So just keep forgiving. Even God says, as I continue to forgive you. Praise the Lord. Because you know what? I know I've blown it a whole lot more than 490 times. I, I can't even like quantify the amount of times that I've sinned, that I've blown it, that I've said the wrong thing, done the wrong thing, thought the wrong thing. Grieving God. But God in his mercy and his grace, and because of the great sacrifice of Jesus, has set me free. And now he gives us the mission to free others as well. So when we come, right, into this new year, to 2021, and as we ask this question of God, what should I be focused on now? 
come to this question of freedom. God, are there things in my life that I need to be free from? Are there things in my life, thoughts, words, actions, that I, God, I need your freeing work to continue this, this journey of your kingdom being established in my life like it is in heaven, and that my will would somehow begin to match your will more fully and more accurately? Do I need more freedom in different areas? And here's the kicker. Are there others in my story whom I need to free? Not saying that what they did was okay. Not saying that what they did was not wrong or terrible in my story. But saying, Jesus, I free them to you, which is what forgiveness is. It's letting go of the pain. It's letting go of the offense. And we're letting them go to God himself. Because God can deal with the offender in ways that I never can, right? I could try in my own, you know, right, my own actions, my own life, I could try to deal with that offender, but it's never going to come close to how God is going to be able to deal both with any discipline that is needed in that person's life, also with any redemption that is needed in their story because they need to be set free from God just like I do. So as we come to 2021 and we're asking, God, what do I need to focus on? We need to not only focus on provision, God, what do I need to be sustained in this day? But we need to also ask God, God, what freedom do I need to walk in, in you? And to whom may I need to offer freedom? So we come to then this third, provision, freedom, and deliverance is available through God. And he says, deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. Over and over, Jesus talked about Satan, talked about the devil as a real living entity, one who is actively at work to steal, kill, and destroy. Those were the words that Jesus used in John 10.10, referencing the enemy of our soul. And listen, if the enemy has one goal, it's to completely keep us from God's kingdom and his will being established in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. And so what does he do? He steals, he kills, and he destroys. He is actively working to attack us, body, mind, and spirit. But guess what? We have a deliverer. We have a deliverer, and his name is Jesus, sent by this good father, sent to us, so that wherever hell may be at work against you, like I said, in your body, your mind, or your spirit, maybe in relationships, maybe you see the work of hell, maybe in your home, maybe in other relationships, Jesus is ready and willing 
and available right now to bring deliverance. And Jesus says, this is how we're to pray. Father, deliver me from the evil one. John, I think, loved this idea of the deliverance that comes from Christ. And in the letter of 1 John, he talks about this several different times. I want to give you just two of my, my favorite passages in 1 John that talk about the deliverance that comes through God and through Jesus. 1 John 3.8, John declares, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Wow, the reason he came was to beat up on the enemy of your soul, that one who is bent on attacking you, stealing from you, bringing death and destruction. Guess what? The reason Jesus came was to destroy the enemy's work. And then he goes on in the following chapter in 1 John 4, 4, it's where he says, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The enemy of your soul is real, is alive, and we know because we just look around and we see the attacks of the enemy. We feel the pain. We know when Satan is at work to bring destruction. But we have a deliverer. His name is Jesus. And it's why he came. To set us free. To bring provision and to bring deliverance from any place where the work of hell has been active in your life and situation. And so we come again to this new year and we're holding in our hands this communion elements. And we ask this question as we look to the new year, what deliverance do I need for God to provide in my story? Where has hell been at work? And in the best of my own ability and in my own strength, I can't get that far against the enemy's work. But I have a deliverer. So today, we come holding in our hands the very essence of God himself. That's what these communion elements are. There, there's no magical properties or components in this bread or in this juice, but they are these powerful spiritual reminders of who God is. He is our awesome, good, loving, gracious Father. They remind us of what he has done. He's given us life. As our Father, he is the originator of life. But he's also given us all that we need. 
through Jesus himself, sending his very son, not only to come to earth, but to die on this earth. And so these elements that we hold representing Jesus' broken body and the bread and his shed blood in the juice, they are these powerful spiritual reminders of who God is, what he has done, but also what is available through him to you and me right now. No matter what situation that you're facing, no matter what obstacles and challenges lie ahead in 2021, we have a God who is with us, who is watching, who will reward us, and who will bring provision and freedom and deliverance wherever it is needed. Hey, before we eat and before we drink, would you join me in praying the Lord's Prayer together one more time? You know what, if, if you're sitting in the courtyard right now and maybe you're with family, even when you're, as you're holding communion in one hand, maybe you'd reach out and just grab hold of the person's hand next to you. And if you're watching at home or maybe driving in a car, listening to this message, if you could just reach out to, to those who are near you and just, as it's safe to do so, grab a hold of hands and agree together. And we start with these words, our Father, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Friends, we're, we're going to be taking now of the bread. But as we do this, there may be some, whether you're here on campus or whether you're watching somewhere else, even around the world, who may be saying, you know what, I, I am not sure that I've ever said I want to be part of this family of God. And even as we prayed, our Father, you were like, ah, Maybe that's someone else's father. I'm not sure if this is my father. But can I encourage you that as you would take of communion today and when you would recognize Jesus' body broken, not just for humanity, but for you personally, and as you drink of the juice and recognize, recognize that Jesus' blood was shed for you to bring you freedom from anything that would have separated you from Father God. May this be a new day and a new life that would start today at the beginning of 2021. Anyone who is far from God can come to him right in this moment.
and with those things on our hearts and our minds. Let's now do this very physical and tangible thing of eating together of God's broken body. take from the cup saying Jesus thank you for everything that this represents our provision everything that is needed our freedom and our deliverance from the evil one would you take we commit this year over to you. 2021, Lord, this is your year. Lord, so we commit ourselves to it and to you. And God, we want to not only refocus our attention today on what is needed now, but God, we want to continue doing that right through this year. Not losing focus, calling for those things that are chaotic or scream loudest for our attention. But Lord, we want to stay focused on what is important. And I know that you, by your Holy Spirit, will continue to lead us and guide us. Even as we commit ourselves to seeing your kingdom and your will more and more established on earth, in my life, in my story, even as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hey, friends, a couple of things before we go. One is, man, if you just gave your life over to Jesus, if you just took that communion for the very first time with the knowledge that that was done for me and I accept that sacrifice. Hey, we have some pastors that are online and would love to hear that. Right now, you can just kind of write in 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 Facebook, on YouTube, and say, hey, I just gave my life over to Jesus. I'm giving this year to him. However you want to say that. But we have pastors online right now who would love to agree with you, pray with you, and can even help connect you with resources in taking the next steps with Jesus. They're really going to be to your advantage in this new year. And, hey, I want to also invite you all back next week because we're going to continue this conversation on refocusing and we're going to talk about a practice and we're going to begin something for 21 days together as a church family that we're going to kick off next week. I didn't want to do it here on the 3rd of January because I know that maybe not everybody was with us today, but by the 10th, man, we're going to be ready and we're going to start on the 10th and go for 21 days through the end of this month to focus on what God has for us in 2021 as individual people and as a church. It's going to be so awesome. So I look forward to having you back with us. Church, you're loved. We're going to see you again next Sunday.